You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. You're doing well. Man, it's good to be here with you this morning. So thankful that you guys all logged on. Thankful that you are joining us this morning at Cornerstone Church. This morning, I want to continue with our series that's taken from the Sermon on the Mount. One of the greatest, possibly most people consider this to be the greatest sermon ever preached by any preacher, obviously because it was Jesus. I think that totally answers the why, but considered to be the greatest message that Jesus also preached. And so last week we talked a little bit about being blessed and how that you and I are blessed right now, not going to be in the future or when we get something that we're praying about, but we are blessed right now. But do you know why you are blessed? Well, a couple of scriptures before I go further into this sermon from the mountaintop. Zechariah 8 and verse 13 says this, It will come about that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you that you might become a blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing to other people. In Proverbs eleven twenty-five, it says this, that the generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. The Bible is filled with verses of scriptures about understanding why we are blessed. What the blessing is for is so that you might be a blessing to other people. Now, after he finished, Jesus preached the Beatitudes, and after he finished this, he began to go into something a little bit different. And it's almost like he started talking about a little cooking in the kitchen. You know, he started bringing about some seasoning and different things like that. And we're going to read this in depth in a moment. But in Matthew five thirteen, the Bible says that you are straight from Jesus. He said this, you are the salt of the earth, a light to the world. He begins to talk about salt and light, salt and light. And today, that's what we're going to talk about, salt and light. Jesus said that you and I, are the salt and the light of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the word salt and I think about cooking, I think about the great need that you must have when you are cooking. You have to have salt. If you don't salt anything, it just doesn't have the same flavor. I found this verse of scripture that's kind of humorous to me. Um, in Job chapter 6 and verse 6, now it, different translations read different ways, okay? But this is from the New American Standard. Job 6 verse 6 says, can something tasteless be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a breakfast guy. In the morning, listen, I pan fry some eggs. I cook up some stuff. I don't have bacon every day because if we had bacon in the house, I'd, I'd eat it every single day. But eggs usually every single morning for the most part. But if you've ever had an egg that they didn't salt right, it wasn't properly salted, eggs are disgusting without salt. I mean, they are just nasty. It's not a very good food by itself. You need salt and pepper and probably a little cheese, man, and some other stuff on that thing. You need to, to, to kind of cook it up a little bit, but salt is a primary ingredient of an egg. And Job says even this, is there any taste in the white of an egg? No. There's nothing, there's nothing about an egg that is very good without salt. So when Jesus says that you're the salt of the earth, I want you to hear what he's saying. And this is, I'm going to read this to you from the New King James Version of the Bible. And think about this in the egg. Egg needs salt to be uh, flavorful. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Listen to what he says. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 5. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. He goes on to say next, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. He then says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. This is so true. We are present tense. Just like we are blessed, we are salt and light. We're here to preserve or season the earth, and we're here to be an example and light it up. That is who he's called us to be. And the interesting thing about this is Jesus is talking. I don't know. Sometimes I pick out kind of unique things in the Bible that I see that kind of jump off the page to me. And I know we've heard these verses before. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about salt and light, but we'll explain a little further. But if you've heard this before, you might think, well, yes, Jody, I know we're the salt and we're the light. We're supposed to illuminate the earth. We're supposed to season the earth. That's who we are. But notice something about salt and light. Both of these things are very small. Compared to the egg, compared to your food, compared to grilled chicken and whatever else you cook on your plate, salt is 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 minimal. It's it's millions of granules of little salt is in a small little salt shaker, and, and there's not much to it, but yet it brings such enhancement to flavor. But yet it's very, very small. Light in the same way. If you're to look at a light bulb in your house or a candle is what Jesus referred to here, not to overlook what he's saying and think about the sun that illuminates the earth. He's referring to light that illuminates in a home. He's referring to a candlestick. It's very small. Light in itself is, can be very small. A candle is, is very small compared to the power of light that it brings to a room. Sometimes I think that we overlook some of the things that Jesus said. We think that we must be so bright that the whole world has to see us or that we have so much flavor and salt that we must, we must season everything around us. And that's not exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying if you understand something, that even though you might be small compared to the great expanse of the world, you can enhance or affect it if you allow the salt and the light to do its job. And as Jesus goes on in his message, it seems like he's switching context here in the next verse, but he's not. I think he's still adding to his point to be clear about this. So let's keep reading. Verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5. He says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, or let this be known, this is a fact. I say this to you, until heaven and earth pass away. This is a very important verse. Until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will no means pass from the law until it is all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least. what He didn't say the great. He said the least. We often overlook the small things for the big stuff. And we say that's what Jesus is concerned about. But I'm telling you, here he's talking about small things. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so. In other words, if I were to say to you, hey, it's not a big deal to cheat on your wife. It's not a big deal to overlook. You don't have to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's not a big deal to, to, to be a, a generous individual as a Christian. It's not a big deal. If I were to downplay... What is written in this book and teach you to do otherwise. Jesus says this about that. Whoever does this 
and you teach other people to do the same thing, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does these things and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, watch what he he compares this to. I say unto you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is referring to there, he's saying, look, you can't downplay my words. You can't downplay what I'm saying and think they're irrelevant. They're not. They are powerful. The smallest part that we consider to be not so important sometimes has a major impact in people's lives. It's like salt and light. So let me just break down a couple of thoughts with you on this real quick. When he says one jot, one tittle, what does that mean? It's interesting that the Jews, if you look this up, jot, it means this. We'll put it on the the screens for you. But jot means yod or yod. It's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. We use the phrase jot something down for something really quick. But jot, it means the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And it's the most used frequently in Scripture. The most frequently used letter in Scripture. Tittle. It refers to the small strokes of a single letter. So I'm going to put this on the screen for you there so you can see it at home. Uh, But it means this is the word in Hebrew. This is the word Elohim. It's the name of God. Okay, Elohim. It's the name of God. And in this, you'll see the brush strokes, the long sweeping strokes in the letters. These these strokes will be kind of like in our in our culture. We might say this: dot every I. That would be the jot, if you will. Going to dot every I. And watch this, cross every T. That might be the tittle, if you will. Jesus is saying, don't discredit the smallest part of my commandments, the least of the things that may seem so insignificant. Don't discredit that, and don't overlook the brushstrokes that are on the rest of my commandments. Don't overlook this until every one of these things are fulfilled. They matter. And God, in giving an illustration of this to Israel, think about this. It is considered to be the smallest country in the world, okay? They're not considered to be very big, yet they produce and manufacture and give more to the world than most other countries. Deuteronomy 7, 7 says this, the New Living Translation, it says, The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. No, you were the smallest of all nations. The Lord doesn't overlook small things. Small things matter, and small things make an impact. We oftentimes think it's the big stuff. I was yesterday, this was yesterday, I was going to Lowe's to pick up uh, an item, a couple items actually, and most of the time when I go to Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever, if I pick up some building supplies or something, I might take a shopping cart. But I was in a hurry, and I thought, it's only three things that I need, very small items, I'll get this, it won't be a big deal. I went in, but they didn't have exactly what I wanted because so many um, projects are going on at home, I guess. So some things are just out of stock. So I had to make a couple of things work. Well, when I went in, you know, I didn't have my shopping cart. And so I only had so many, you know, sticking things here and here. I'm trying to hold everything. And so I just, my phone's in my back pocket. My wallet's in my back pocket. I just stuck one thing right here in the back of my pocket, a small part. It was a $4 part. And before what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking right now. Oh man, Pastor Tony got, he got thrown to the floor by the security at Lowe's. No, that didn't happen. It wasn't that at all. I paid for the merchandise I had in my hands because I, I couldn't hold anything else. I laid it on the counter, paid for it. They checked me out. I walked out the door 
no alarms. I get to my truck. I'm unloading. I take my phone out, my wallet out, and I'm like, what is, what is this? And I look, and I'm like, oh, it's the $4 part that is very, very important for what I'm building. And I'm sitting there looking, going, it's a $4 part. In the scheme of Lowe's Corporation, they are not going to miss a $4 part. It is not going to affect their bottom line at all. But it would affect my conscience if I just ignore that and say, it's not a big deal. So what I do, I go back into Lowe's, go around the thing, come around. I sit on the counter. She looks at me. I was like, um, <laughs> I left this in my back pocket. She's like, it's no problem. Like, looked at me like, kind of like, I can't believe you just brought that in here. I'll tell you this. I used to work in fast food. And there were times when I first started that when you get in a hurry and you got hundreds of cars coming through <clears throat> and you accidentally give someone a dollar or two more than you should have, or you're, look, you're going so fast you don't mean to, or maybe it's their first day on the job and maybe they accidentally you paid with a 20 and they give you back a 20 and some change. Let me just say something. That's not a blessing from the Lord. That's a test. Small things matter to God. And if you don't think they do, Luke 16 says this in verse 10. If you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest in the small things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Little things matter to the Lord. They really do. We often read this and we think, man, we got to be a light to the world. And a salt to the world. But I'm telling you, if you're not a light and a salt in your own home, it's not that important. It's important, but if you major on the big stuff and forget about the small stuff, it's the small stuff that matters the most. <clears throat> How are you salting your home? How are you salting and lighting the relationships around you? And Jesus, he breaks this down next, how much it really matters. And again, I think he's still talking about salt and light, but in reference to small things and how they matter. Verse 22 of the same chapter, Jesus says this. He says, but I say unto you, if you're even angry with someone, he's just referred to one of the Ten Commandments, you should not murder someone. He just said, you've heard it said, you shouldn't murder. Now listen to what he says, though. But I say unto you, even if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. In their culture, judgment meant to the judges, you're subject to being judged by a judge. If you call somebody an idiot, don't even look at me through the television screen at your home right now or your phone right now and tell me that you haven't been driving home one day and someone cut you off and you didn't say they were an idiot. And then you get up next to him and realize they go to church with you. <laughs> you know, we've all done that. We've all said this. But Jesus says, listen, if you call somebody an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. The court would be the Sanhedrin in their time. And if you curse somebody, in other words, think about this. Because God is blessed, if you try to curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And he would be referring to this here in their culture. There was a place called Yehenna that was right there on the side of the mountain in Jerusalem. But everybody knew what that was. It was a place that constantly was burning with trash and other things like that. And Jesus said this, man, you're in danger. And I know we all say, I would never murder anybody. But do you excuse your anger? Jesus doesn't. I take it from a guy who can get angry sometimes. 
I'm reading this scripture to me just like I'm reading it to you. Don't ever forget that little jot and tittle statement that he said. Jesus doesn't overlook it. He says, look, you think murdering, as long as you don't murder, you're doing good? He says, hey, how are you doing with that anger thing with your friends and with your family? Okay, you don't like that one so much. Let's keep going. Verse 23 says, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar. Now, there's many more we could break out. I'm just breaking out a few. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar and therefore you remember that not you, but that your brother has something against you. He says you're to leave your offering there before the altar and go first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. That means, listen, maybe you're not the one that's got the issue, but they do. And you know that they do. He said, look, I love the fact that you're generous. I love the fact that you want to be a giver. But in this case, this isn't just talking about you giving an offering to God. This, in some light, could be referred to as sacrifice. In other words, it's like this. You're coming before the Lord to bring an offering to make some things right between you and God, or you're bringing a sacrifice in their culture in that time, or you're coming before the Lord, let's say, in our present time, and bringing something and saying, God, I need to bring this before you. I'm asking for your help in this situation. He's saying, you want me to answer your prayer? You want me to take care of some things for you? You want me to engage with you about this? How about you go and fix this over here first, then come back and let you and I talk about you and me and how we can work in your life. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he said this, you've heard that it was said, you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say, this is Jesus, and listen to all the fellows watching right now, listen to me. I say unto you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust You've already committed adultery with you and with her in your heart, in your, in your heart. And you say, well, I would never do that. I would never cheat on my wife. I would never cheat on my husband, whatever. Let me ask you a question though. Yeah, but do you continually check out that lady you work with? Yeah, but I mean, it's just all fun. No, 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 no. See, little things matter to God. You might think it doesn't matter, but it matters to God. Ladies, listen, if you're working with some guys and you just constantly figure out how to bump into that guy because he talks so nice and gives you encouragement and your husband doesn't, I'm just telling you, you may think it's not a big deal, but a small thing is what turns into a big fire. James says your tongue is small, but it can light up the fires of hell. And you might think it's not a big deal. You might think criticizing people. And you might not think that it's not a big deal. It's just not a big deal. You might think putting down the people that you work for is not a big deal. You might think that like, you know what, condemning and criticizing church people that you think, well, it's not a big deal. I'm telling you, it matters to God. Small things matter. So you get the point. Let's roll through the next few of these right here. Jesus said in verse 43, I gave you some of the bigness because I want to kind of narrow down and end with this last one. Because you might tell me right now, well, Pastor Jody, I don't do any of that stuff. That's cool, man. I'm glad you can check that box off. Pastor Jody, I don't do any. Great. Let's roll down into some things that probably all of us right now are kind of dealing with. Jesus, remember, salt and light, salt and light. Enhance the flavor. Bright up the room. Okay? Matthew 5, 43 says, you have heard it was been said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44. 
This is Jesus Christ talking. Sermon on the Mount. Greatest message ever preached. All this is in red. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. We don't like this next verse, but it's in the Bible. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. In other words, if you think for a minute that God's just going to rain some things down on your garden and make your stuff grow, uh -uh, he sends rain to both the just and the unjust. He goes on to say this, verse 46. He says, man, listen, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And then he asks some real questions. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Salt and light, salt and light, salt and light. What he's saying right here is, listen, if all you can do is love the people you sit with at church, if all you can do is give a thumbs up today to the friends on Facebook who believe the same way that you believe, if all you can do is amen and give a hand clap to the people who look like you, believe like you, and think like you. He said, don't be confused about something here. There is no reward for that. Because even tax collectors do that. He said, man, look, Gentiles do this. Keep reading. He says, verse 47, if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same thing. He's saying, you are not exe- you're not giving an example. You're not salting anything if it looks just like the world does. Therefore, verse 48, he says this, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And the word perfect here is not got all your stuff together. It simply means this. Perfect means to be mature or maturing. It means to be growing or have healthy growth. Mature or maturing To be growing or have healthy growth. A growing faith is a growing relational faith with other people. Now this morning I'm going to close out with a couple of thoughts. Don't think that people aren't a source of growth. Don't think for a moment that the person you're working with right now is not a source of growth for you. The frustration that you experience, the irritation that goes on, don't think that they're not a source of growth. Oh God, I just wish everything would just be great and work out. No, don't think that you're not maturing or growing in these situations. The issues that we're seeing today, maybe it's an opportunity for us. In a vineyard, I've been to some different vineyards and to see how they do different things. So I have a couple of grapevines. And vineyards are very interesting things to me. But in a vineyard, it's, it's a very interesting uh, conversation I had one time with a, with a farmer and what they did in their, in their vineyard there. This is actually in Israel. And one of the things we learned is that in a vineyard, they have irrigation, but they don't just water daily. As a matter of fact, the idea is they don't water unless it's a necessity. You say, well, I have an irrigation system. If you're not going to water. Well, they said this. 
They said, if you water the vines too frequently, they will begin to depend upon the water. But watch this. If you allow the vines to not be irrigated or watered as frequently and you let them depend upon the rain that falls from the heavens, they will dig their roots down deep and draw water from the depths of the earth versus the surface of the earth where the irrigation comes from. Listen, man, a growing faith is relational with other people. And sometimes you got to do what Jesus said. You've got to love the people who don't believe like you or think like you or even act like you. So this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions as we wrap up. The person that's such a frustration to you, maybe they're God's gift to you. You say, oh, that ain't possible, Pastor Jody. You don't understand how they are. I know, but maybe it's causing you to dig your roots down really, really deep right now. And God is trying to mature you and produce something within you that he can use to help salt people around you, to bring light to the earth, to the rooms around you. So a couple of questions this morning. I'm going to throw you out a salt challenge. I don't even know if this has ever been created before. I don't know, but I just created it. Just called it. Just come up with it myself, okay? A salt challenge. Four simple questions. I'll put them on the screen for you so you can read these and write these down, okay? Number one, I want you to ask yourself a question. Very real question. What do I not like about people who are different than me? What do I not like about people who are different than me? Different could be anything. Could be a culture. Could be a color. Could be language. Could be a belief system. Whatever you pick the thing, it doesn't matter to me. Could be politics. We just had two weeks of whatever you want to call all that that we just had. Both sides, you heard it all. What if they're different than you? What is it that I do not like about people who are different than me? Number two, these are all questions. Number two, ask yourself, why do all my friends only look and believe like me? In other words, if all of my friendships only look like me and believe like me, why is that? I can answer that for you. I want you to answer it for yourself. Ask yourself this. I know I'm, I know I'm meddling. I know I'm digging a little. I, I get it. I'm going to ask the question anyway. This is a solid challenge. Ask yourself, why do I sound more like my favorite news channel than I do my Jesus? That's a question for you. I can't answer that question. And lastly, this question here this morning. Once I discover the answers, how will I salt the answers I discover? You know, um, you may not like some of the answers you give. If, you're, if we're all honest with ourselves, at sometimes I don't like the answers that I give or that I hear or that I, I, I come up with on my own. I may, not, I may not like, if I'm honest with myself, the answer, but what am I going to do with that? How am I going to salt that? How am I going to bring light to that? Because if I only love the people that love me, there's no salt or light in it. It's more like, you know, a banana pudding. You ever had a good banana pudding? Right on the top, there's this meringue. It's an egg white. But that baby, that thing has been, it's got sugar in it and all kind of stuff to make it sweet and nice. That's like loving people that love you. It's just like banana pudding. It's easy, man. Everybody loves some good banana pudding when it's homemade. That's easy to do. 
What's difficult, what Jesus said is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you've got to love somebody that doesn't love you back, that doesn't believe like you, doesn't agree with you, that doesn't have the same philosophy as you? This morning, I challenge you with all these things because there's so many reasons to be challenged, I think, today. And I want to end with this, the thought about maturity right here. Maturity doesn't mean that I must agree with a philosophy or excuse a sin. I can grow and salt a situation and bring light to a situation without agreeing with a philosophy or trying to excuse sin. I don't have to do that. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't excuse sin. He didn't agree with philosophies that were against God. But he was able to salt the situation and bring light to it that benefited and blessed people. Maturity is the ability to see how to salt a situation like Jesus would. This morning, I want to take a moment to pray for you. And I want to pray over you in this area because I feel like in my heart, there's there's so many voices today. There are so many different things that are happening and so many different things being said that everybody has an opportunity right now to put their salt on a shelf and turn their light off because we all have so many different opinions and different things that we want to talk about. But the most important thing is to do what Jesus said and let your salt season things. Let your light shine. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for everyone that's listening to this message right now. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that people listening right now would take this seriously. And God, they would take this, for a better word of terms I could come up with, assault challenge. God, that they would hear these words and they would challenge their own life right now and ask these questions. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would cause us to dig down deep with our roots and to mature and to grow, God, and to not get into arguments about things and issues about things that, that, that aren't bringing any help, but God, to be willing to listen, to be willing to, to walk with, to be able to talk to somebody that doesn't look like me or, or talk like me or act like me or believe like me, just to listen and, and use our abilities and giftings that you've given us to salt some things, to bring light to some things, to not be as judgmental, to not be as harsh, but to be more like you, Jesus, to bring about answers and to help people that are hurting and God, to let our light so shine before men that you, Lord, might be glorified and not us. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray if there's anybody there that's listening today and they don't know you, they've never said yes to Jesus, I pray today in Jesus' name, Lord, that they would come to you. While your eyes are closed there at your home right now, or maybe you're watching by your phone or, or wherever you're watching right now, I just want to pray for you. You don't know Jesus, and you say, I need to accept Christ today. I want to pray for you right now. Just in some manner, you pray this prayer out loud. The Bible says this, if you acknowledge Christ, if you acknowledge Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So you just pray something like this today. You just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I ask you, to forgive me. I ask you to save me. I believe that you're the son of God. And Lord, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I turn to you today and I give you complete control of my life. In Jesus name. Amen. 
Maybe you prayed that prayer. We're so proud of you today. There's so many folks online right now. They're going to love on you, man. Come on, give them some likes and give them some hearts, give them some waves, whatever they got right there. Let them know how proud you are for them making that decision today. And then we also have a great group of pastors that want to help you. There's a simple little link. They're going to pop up on the screens for you, or maybe it's in your feed. If you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, there's a little link there that says connect.cornerstonerome.com. We want to help you get started walking with God. If you're following us right now on live.cornerstonerome.com, our pastors right now have things they can give you right there where you are, and they can help you get started walking with Jesus. Man, as always, before we go, man, we always like to speak this blessing over you. As we said last week, this is the Lord's blessing, and this is in Numbers chapter 6, and always love to pray this over you before we go. As always, Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. (coughs) May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.